Hello and welcome to the Tebby podcast from The Evidence-Based Investor. I'm Robin Powell. This podcast is brought to you by Regis Media, which provides financial advice and planning firms with high-quality video content. In this episode, we're discussing the bear market with the world-renowned behavioural finance expert, Maya Statman. He's the Glenn Klimek Professor of Finance at Santa Clara University. So what happens in the minds of investors when markets fall? And how can we stop ourselves acting irrationally? Professor Statman has some fascinating insights on those questions and more. And you may be pleased to hear even he is not immune to feeling anxious when stock prices head south. He also has some very interesting advice for young people tempted to invest in cryptocurrencies. So enjoy my interview with Maya Statman. Maya, it's, it's, it's very good to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, I'm delighted to be with you, Robin. Wall Street often talks uh, at times like this about Main Street being gripped by uh, panic. Um, But Jason Zweig made the point, I don't know if you saw it in the uh, Wall Street Journal a few days ago, saying he's struck by the lack of panic in the last few weeks. But what do you make of that? And what does the evidence tell us about how many people actually panic in reality? Well, I think that uh, Jason Zweig also noted that his audience is likely to be more sophisticated than average, and so they don't panic. But I think that the proportion of the people who panic in the sense that they just sell all the stocks they have is relatively small. Uh, Most people, uh, surely by now, have uh, recognized that it is not a wise thing to do. Uh, And especially in the retirement saving accounts, that is, if people panic, they panic in those personal accounts, perhaps in the individual stock holdings that they have, uh, but not beyond that. You can see that in the uh, other investment, the target date funds. Uh, I think that most investors now just... uh, see that as a way to save for retirement rather than play the market. And that really is a good thing. Mm. Now, there's quite a lot of evidence, isn't there, as well, about professionals panicking. I mean, we would expect professionals to panic less than the rest of us. But but actually, in a sense, they've got more hanging on it, don't they? And and I, I think professionals do panic as, as well. I mean, what, what is the evidence on on that? Well, you're right. Well, first, professionals are really like the rest of us, uh, like uh, amateur investors. They're just wearing uh, suits of uh, of the profession, of knowledge, uh, and that is a good thing. But they're subject to the same emotions. And then, as you say, uh, they are observed by others. That is, uh, I don't disclose uh, my portfolio, but they have no choice but disclose theirs. Uh, and uh, their investors somehow, even if they are not making moves in the market, somehow they expect the professionals 
who manage their money to do something. Uh, you know, don't just stand there. I'm paying you to act. And so, and so they act. And uh, more often than not, they act uh, foolishly. Uh, I don't really know why it is that so many investors trust the professionals to do what is right for them. But uh, that is still uh, in process. The proportion of investors who invest in index funds is growing, but it is surely not the majority yet. Now, investors you know, famously have very short memories. And other than the very short-lived bear market in 2020, we haven't really seen a prolonged market downturn since the global financial crisis. So is there a danger then that, that investors will be even less prepared for a bear market now than they have been in the past? Well, you have to think about prepared, at least in two senses. One is economics or financial and the other is emotional. Now, it is interesting that, that there is something that uh, my colleague, Herr Sheffrin, and I call the disposition effect, that is the reluctance to realize losses. And so if you have a bear market, then uh, if people are going to sell, they're going to realize losses. And when we realize our losses, uh, this really is when we feel that we kiss the money goodbye. And we are reluctant to do that because regret and hindsight play a, a role. Uh, and uh, we are going to feel stupid uh, if we do that. And that is a case where that kind of cognitive error is really uh, going to help people. Uh, and so, yeah, people are going to be discouraged. Um, people are going to feel bad. They're not as wealthy as they used to be. But then, uh, I think that most are going to realize that there is nothing for them to do other than hold on because it really is money for the future, money for retirement, and they can do better by just holding on than, uh, than selling. Mm. You've written in the past about hope and fear actually being quite useful emotions um, but, but the problem is that they sometimes become exaggerated. W what do you mean by that? Well, so God uh, or evolution planted emotions in us not to spite us, but to help us. And so emotions really interact with cognition and they help us uh, rather than hinder us. And so let me speak about fear. Uh, when you see a snake, uh, you recoil. Uh, that is the reaction prompted by fear. Uh, you do not engage your cognition to figure out whether this snake is poisonous or not. You just move back. You slam on the brakes when the car in front of you stops. That again, uh, there's no time for cognition here. Uh, and so emotions are really quite useful. Uh, now, hope uh, in the same way. Now, it is really important to see that in every product or service or activity, there are three kinds of benefits. There are the utilitarian benefits. What does it do for my pocketbook? But there are also expressive benefits of 
who am I, who am I presenting myself to myself as well as to others, and there were emotional benefits. And so if think about, about lotteries, you know, standard finance says um, rational people don't buy lottery tickets. And the first generation of behavioral finance said uh, people buy lotteries because they don't know statistics and mathematics and they don't understand uh, that the odds are smaller than they think. But I say, <laughs> as everyone who ever bought a lottery ticket, that we know that. Uh, we just enjoy the emotional benefits of hope between the time we buy the ticket and the time we find out that we lost again. Uh, and in this sense, hope is really a useful thing. It is kind of like the, the light that is shown by the headlights of a car. Uh, it just moves us one uh, distance forward, and then we have another distance forward, and then we get to our destination. And so again, hope and fear are very useful. Exaggerated ones are not. Uh, if you are fearful enough to dump all your stocks, that is bad. Uh, if you are so hopeful that you invest in something that uh, promises 10% per week, uh, that is bad. Uh, but, but generally, you have to realize that emotions are useful and exaggerated ones are going to hurt you. Now, human beings are very influenced by, by stories and, and investors too. Um, so what part do you think narrative plays in a in a bear market how influenced in other words are we by uh, what other people are saying and especially by negative coverage in the media well there are things that are not really very dangerous in real life but are dangerous in our perceptions of them uh, well inflation is one one example that is you know, President Biden says that inflation is the biggest problem that faces us. And I say, no, no, the real problem facing us is preservation of democracy. Uh, but what happens is that, yes, there comes a time when inflation gets to be 30 and 40 and, and hundreds of, of percent per year. As, as happened, as happening in, in a place like Venezuela now and as happened in Israel some decades ago that, that I uh, remember. But uh, I think that we have to see that what is rattling people about inflation at eight or nine or 10 percent is not so much the financial aspect, but rather the sense that they have lost their yardstick that, that is uh, we use the, the dollar or the pound uh, the same way that we use a yardstick. We would be lost if a yard were three feet one day and four uh, another. And, and when people have this tangible sense that, that that yardstick is not constant, they really get very, very uneasy. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, we talk about the other side of it, of a money illusion. That is, when inflation is 2% or 3%, people just ignore it 
Uh, and if they got a raise from 100 to 102,000, they think about themselves as just having gained uh, 2%, even if inflation is 3%, making that a negative uh, real uh, increase. Uh, but again, so you have to kind of look at, uh, at what is happening in people's mind and be able to tell the difference between uh, those things, those worries that are justified and those that are not. So what, what, what can ordinary investors then do um, if they feel that they're starting to, to panic and, and they may be um, you know, in danger of making an irrational decision they may live to regret? What, what, what can they do to kind of step away, if you like? Are, are there some simple rules that you can recommend? Well, I think so. So, you know, I've, I've heard from, from other behavioral finance and, and psychologists saying that, that those cognitive errors and emotions in us are impossible to overcome, even if you know them. Well, I think that it is really way exaggerated. Uh, just think of the advice that you get uh, about angry. It says, when you are angry, count till 10 before you open your mouth. And so that is a way to withstand that anger and prevent it from becoming uh, a real danger. Now, I like to say that whenever you think about trading, about buying or selling, other than for liquidity reasons, meaning you got salary and you put it in your in your savings account or you need money in retirement, you should always ask yourself, who is the idiot on the other side of my trade? Because in every trade, there is an idiot. And people often say, people in behavioral finance will say, people are overconfident. But before overconfidence comes framing errors, that is, people see trading as the equivalent of playing tennis against the training wall. That is really very, very easy. You can place yourself just right to hit the ball right. But but trading is like playing tennis against Djokovic. You know, he pretends to hit it to the left and then hits it to the right just as you go to the wrong uh, spot. And so every time you feel like now is the time to sell or buy more. Uh, you have to ask yourself, who is the idiot on the other side of the trade? What do you know that other people, professionals, do not know? And the answer, the true answer for most people, most of the time, is nothing. Uh, and so I am no more intelligent than other people. But I've learned that uh, whenever I feel panicked or anxious and so on i just it's not that that i do not feel anxious uh, i do but i just don't act on it the same way that i count till 10 when i'm angry before i open my mouth mm. I, I i heard rick ferry the the um, florida-based advisor once suggest that uh, you know, the first thing you should do is just switch off CNBC or whatever financial news outlet you are you are watching. You shouldn't, 
know, read about the the, the uh, stock markets in the in the papers, and just simply you know go for a long walk, do the gardening, get stuck into a good book, but just get get your mind off it, basically. But what do you say to that? Well, this might be one remedy, uh, but but there is another. Uh, the other really is to watch it uh, or to look at the balances of your account, but really immunize yourself, vaccinate yourself uh, against them. Uh, that is, I say, if you watch CNBC, have you noticed that there are two experts, both wearing suits, so you know that they are experts, uh, yet one says the market is going to go up and the other says the market is going to go down. And so you know that neither of them knows anything, that they are just making guesses, uh, perhaps by tossing a coin. Uh, and so if you just look at it uh, and you just uh, listen or rather watch CNBC with the voice off, uh, then, then you will be fine. And so uh, when I, I look at my, at my balances pretty much every day, uh, now, I know that, that they go up and down by a lot, by, by many tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, and so what do I do? I just know that that is the case. Uh, and I shrug, you know, that, that is shrugging is good exercise uh, and, and it is uh, good for your portfolio uh, because I know that, again, uh, there is an idiot in every trade, and I am not going to uh, do anything that is going to make me uh, that idiot. And I remember that I'm investing for the long run, and even if I am not a very young man anymore, I am investing for my children, uh, and that money is going to grow uh, or is going to diminish. Uh, and uh, that is life. That, that is our portfolios are not the only thing we have. We have social security, we have income, uh, our kids hopefully are working and earning money and, and so on. Uh, and, and you know, when, when you think about the, the risk in life, uh, people think about the risk of the portfolio. And I say, if you want to take risk, get married. And if you want more risk, have children. So you have to put it in perspective uh, and know that uh, this is not the end of the world. Yes, you used to have 700,000. Now you have 500,000. You're still a young man. You'll be fine. Uh, and if you're older, again, people people think that that retirement is going to be a terrible thing. They're going to run out of money. But it is amazing how people adjust uh, thoughtfully when they have more money and when they have less and where they put their priorities first, helping their kids, helping their elderly parents, and so on. Uh, the stock market is not the center of the universe. Mm. So for, for those who, who, who are anxious, do, does having a financial advisor help in these situations? Uh, and, and if so, how? Well, financial advisors can be really, really useful here. They really earn their fees uh, when they dissuade panicky investors from doing something that is really 
uh, stupid. And so the first line of defense uh, is to recognize that you don't know anything more than others. And just because you feel bad and panicky, there's no reason for you to sell. Uh, but uh, if this is not sufficient, then financial advisors are the second line of defense. And they can reason with people and explain precisely what we are talking about uh, and say, look, I understand what panic is. I understand what fear is. This is natural to me, too. My advantage over you is that I have learned things uh, that I am now teaching you, uh, and therefore, this is a good advice. This is a good piece of advice. Don't do anything or wait two weeks uh, to see if you can cool down and change your mind. So, you know, some, some people say that advisors do nothing useful uh, because they don't beat the market. But, but advisors manage investors more than they manage investments. And in that, they earn their fees uh, justifiably. So clearly, as, as you say, selling equities once markets have fallen is, is generally not a good idea. What about those who you know, have really found recent falls much harder to stomach uh, than they expected and really been surprised by that? You know, you, you rightly recommend holding off for, for at least, you know, a couple of weeks or, or more. But, but, but eventually, do they need to review their risk capacity? And, and, and if so, when and how should they go about it? Well, you know, I say if you cannot sleep because of the volatility in the market, take a sleeping pill. Don't don't touch your portfolio. That is not uh, the best thing to do. And and I also say that we don't have really attitudes towards risk. We have aspirations. Uh, I like to say that we have two things that we want in life. One is to be rich and the other is not to be poor. And so you have to ask yourself, uh, if you have, say, $3 million and now you find yourself that you have two and a half or two, uh, then uh, so what? You know, th that is, you were a reasonably well-off person before and you are a well-off uh, person now. Uh, and then you have to ask yourself, uh, what will happen if you convert all your money now into cash, into treasury bills? and you are a young person, uh, will you accumulate enough money for retirement? Well, yes, even if you hold stocks, you might find that you don't have enough for retirement. But if you have it all in cash, you definitely will not have enough for retirement. And so ask yourself again, not what is my attitude towards risk, but what is what are my aspirations? And I say risk is payment for the hope to reach our aspirations. And the last thing you want to do when you are rattled by a decline in the market is get out of the market because this way you only increase your risk, you only lessen your chances of having a secure retirement than enhancing it. Mm. Now, it, it may be that for, for a few people listening to this that, that 
you know, it's already too late that they've taken risk off the table with a view to getting back into the market at some stage. There, there will be others who maybe have been kind of thinking about investing for a long time and putting it off. And now this has happened. They'll be waiting until the, the volatility subsides. But what are the dangers uh, with, with that kind of strategy? Well, the danger really is that contrary to your perception, you don't know when the market is at the top or at the bottom. Let me give you a quick, a quick example. Uh, in May of 2009, uh, I was speaking to a large group of advisors. Uh, people were walking around ashen faces. People thought that the world is coming to an end. I didn't know what comes next, but I know in hindsight, that May of 2009 was already uh, on the upswing. Uh, the, the bottom was sort of in March, but people didn't see it and I didn't see it because when we look at the market kind of day by day, uh, it goes up, it goes down. We don't really see a trend. We see a trend only when you look at it uh, later over a longer period of time. And so by giving up hope, of figuring out when to get in and when to get out. Uh, you are really doing a great favor for yourself. One, because it's true, you don't know. And second, if you get yourself to believe, to accept that you don't know, you're going to do it much better. And remember, it also helps your mental health because, because if you are fearful and you sell all your stocks, now you have a decision of when to get back in. Uh, let's say that you sold them in, in March or May of 2009. Now the market has gone up. It has gone up beyond uh, the price at which you sold. Uh, do you buy now? Whoa, no, because this would make you feel stupid. Uh, and so you just uh, hold on and you say, no, that is just whatever it did cat bounce or whatever and and then then it gets to be double what it is when you sold uh and then eventually you might you might buy uh and you know knowing myself as they say wise people uh don't get into holes that smart people can climb out of and i would rather be wise than smart very good point I finally want to ask you about this huge growth in online trading that we've seen in, in recent years. Um, uh, online stock trading and, and particularly buying individual stocks and buying cryptocurrencies. And we, we've seen this huge fall. I mean, the, the, the fall in stock prices has been bad enough, if you like, but it's been huge in crypto markets. To what extent do you think social media has contributed to, to those you know, price falls in, in cryptocurrencies? Well, social media plays a role, but it is not really the major role. I come back to the notion of aspirations. Uh, that is, people buy cryptocurrencies or pile on a particular stock because they aspire to be rich or rich. I'm not talking about billionaires. I'm talking about just being able to switch from a um, boring job, being able to support a family uh, and, and so on. And so I really empathize with them. Uh, and so 
you know, I always go back to the kind of risks that I took. They were not really in the investment field, although I'm taking objectively, I'm taking a lot of risk because most of my money is in stocks. But it was really in, in quitting a secure job uh, and coming to the United States to pursue a PhD. Uh, mm. You know, what if I didn't finish my PhD? What if I didn't get a job afterwards? And 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 so on. And so the question is not about whether you're going to take risk. You are. The question is what kind of risk you're going to take. And I say to the people who buy cryptocurrencies, the way to get ahead in life is not by being lucky. Uh, and cryptocurrency is a lottery ticket. It is by education and enterprise. Uh, and when you make it by education or enterprise, you will have more than money. You will also have a vocation. You'll also have something that you look forward to do uh, in, in life. Now, young people will listen and they'll say, well, that, that's very nice. You're an old man now and you look back and it all turned out well for you. And I say, you know, when you are young, that's the time to take risks. So, so people, people bought some cryptocurrencies or individual stocks. This, these are typically investments in the 10,000 range, not in the million dollar range. Uh, most of your wealth as a young person is in what we call human capital. It is in your future earnings. Uh, if you want to play with some of that money that you have now in cash, fine, you know, the damage is going to be relatively little. Uh, you're going to learn based on uh, listening to people like us or le learning from your own experience uh, and, and, and you will be fine. Um, you know, they, they, we, we, have, we don't have to exaggerate. We don't have to make young people think like old people. We have to re remember that we used to be young ones and we did we took some risks that other people would have found reckless, uh, but it, they turned out, many of them turned out to be very useful for us. Very well put, uh, Maya. Thank you so much. And that's all from this episode of the Tebby podcast brought to you by Regis Media. Do you run a financial advice or planning business? Whether it's marketing or educational content you're looking for, Regis Media can help. Just get in touch with us via the website at regismedia.com. That's regismedia.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you haven't already, why not subscribe to it? Better still, please leave a review. We'd love to hear your views. Finally, thank you to our guest, Maya Statman. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. Until next time, from me, Robin Powell, goodbye.